And we've got guests for our community story segment. They are going to talk about the homeless situation here in Mankato. They are folks who actually work directly with the homeless in Mankato. And with me this morning, I have Erica Kozier. Good morning, Erica. Good morning. And she is also a pastor. Uh, Pastoring at Connection Shelter. So at the Connection yes, Shelter, yes. So, but you were a pastor before that. Yep, previously at Centenary United Methodist. And we have another pastor with us this morning, and uh, Colette Brody Grant. Colette, who is a pastor at Bethlehem Lutheran Church. But you're also very involved with the connections. Yes. So yes. half of my work is at Connections Ministry, and I am the pastor there as well. Now, so the Connections Ministry has not been always been around. How did it? develop? How, how did this come about? I don't know who wants to take that one, Colette or Erica. Uh, so Con- Connections Ministry is in its fourth season oh, fourth? Okay. of shelter. Um, so before that, uh, it was just kind of a loose collective of churches talking about um, all the same people that were coming to our doors asking for help. And we started to talk about, well, what can we do that would be more effective because um, everybody was just giving a few dollars here and a few dollars there and realizing, you know, then we're seeing the same people come back. It's not making a difference. Because didn't at first, sometimes some of the churches had people stay and it was sort of a revolving shelter at one point? Right. So that was our first two seasons. Okay. Um, so churches started to realize, well, we've got all this space that we're not using. So can we invite people to stay here? Um, so six churches started out um, opening their doors a week at a time. For people to come in and sleep and then it would rotate to the next church for the next week and what is the homeless population situation like here in mankato i talked with andy ellison a few weeks back and you know he does the pcs for people and we were chatting about a lot of times that these computers are able to help folks get jobs and things like mm-hmm. that and he wasn't sh- quite sure how widespread the 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 seriousness of the situation is here in the Mankato area. So can you talk to that since you see a lot of these people on a day-to-day basis? In fact, he's the one who suggested that you guys would be the ones to talk to. So <laughs> We do love working with Andy. He's, yeah, he's, he's a great, a great advocate for us. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, I think homelessness in Mankato especially is really hidden. Oh, um, absolutely. We don't see it because you don't see a lot of people camping outside on the side of the street. You don't see a lot of people panhandling. Um, so we just don't see it. But it is fairly significant. Um, I was just adding up some stats before we came over for a grant, and we've provided 2,793 nights of sleep this season. So, now what is a season then? What is that? So, for us, our season, we opened in October, and we'll be closing the end of May. So, okay. it's a longer season than we've ever had this year. We're able to extend a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, we see everything from families. I think our youngest guest that we've had this season was six months old, oh, wow. and I think our oldest person that we have had or have in shelter is 80. So it is a wide range, um, lots of reasons why people are homeless um, and lots of people kind of coming through and COVID has changed so much of kind of how that happens too and who we're seeing and where they're able to go and and sort of that, that movement of people who are experiencing homelessness. Did you have to really switch things up when COVID came and all of a sudden there's social distancing and I mean, didn't you ha- even have to close things down for a little bit? Because how do you do this when you've got all these people that need to be sheltered and you can't have them together. Right. So uh, we were moving into new space. We were just moving into our permanent location, which is at First Presbyterian Church. And we actually asked public health to come in and walk through the shelter with us. And uh, 
We had to change quite a few things on the fly. Um, we were planning on community dining, and that had to change. Um, so the way we've got it structured now is everybody's kind of in a pod. So you end up with sort of your, your shelter pod of people, and if you're in the room with them, you don't need to be masked. But lots of mask wearing the rest of the shelter, and we did have to decrease our number from 35 beds to 30 just okay. for proper distancing. When I first came to Mankato back in 1988 as a TV reporter for KEYC, one of the first stories I worked on was the homeless in the the area. And at that time, we're talking 1988, which I know is a long time ago, <laughs> but at, I remember, I don't remember who the person was, but quoting saying, at any given time in the Mankato area, there are 70 homeless people. And I remember thinking, wow, that's a lot of people. Are there numbers out there? Do we even know? I mean, that was eight, 1988. How about today? Yeah, we don't know exactly because, okay. again, it's very hard to count. Uh, we do survey every year. The state does a point-in-time count, and we try our best to get everybody to take that survey, which not everybody agrees to. Um, but it's definitely higher than 70. Um, the best estimate we have is from the school district measuring what they call highly mobile families. Um, and some years there have been over 300 really? of wow. those kids that are in highly mobile families. Um, and so, you know, a lot of those are not maybe living on the street, but sleeping in their cars um, or doubled up with family members or with friends mm -hmm. couch hopping for as long as anybody will take them. I hear that that term a lot couch hopping yeah and basically it's you go until somebody gets sick of you or whatever yep. happens i mean yep. is that kind of what stay with a friend and you know there are um, more sketchy versions of that where people are um giving favors in exchange for those couches um but some of it is just staying with friends or family and until they get fed up with it and say you can't stay here and then they move on to the next available place. The other thing I remember when I first moved here, the only homeless shelter I think was the, the Welcome Inn. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what's out there now. I've heard of the Welcome Inn. I've heard of the Teresa House. I know the Salvation Army does some work. What is out there for people who are without a home? Yeah, you know, we're lucky because we do have several op options within Mankato. Um, and that was, I think, when we came together as Connections, we realized there were some big gaps. And so that's where we were able to kind of step into that emergency filling in the gap space. But Partners for Housing that has Teresa House and Welcome In, still very viable. And um, we work very closely with them, especially if we have families. Um, so they are in town. The Salvation Army has switched their model this season um, from an, a night shelter for men to an open all-day shelter. So they complement us in that way. So we're open overnight and can take anybody, and they're open during the day. So we'll they don't keep people, people overnight anymore? They are no longer okay. keeping people overnight, nope. Okay. Um, and then there's CADA for uh, people who are fleeing domestic violence. So those and are our three shelters. What is the REACH? Is the REACH a, like a shelter too, or is that a little different? It's a drop-in center. Um, so that is targeted for youth, right. um, 16 to 24. And they have caseworkers there, so they work very hard to get those young people that are homeless housed, um, but they don't have their own housing. Um, they have a drop-in center where kids can show up and be fed and get toiletries and then have a caseworker to help them get a permanent situation. So I'm assuming you work closely with all of those organizations. And yes, it's, we it's, do. We do. Is there somebody who oversees all of this? Or are you kind of individual? Or is it the county? Or how does that work? 
We're all pretty individual. Oh. <laughs> and I would say um, one of the upswings of COVID, if there can be any upswings of COVID, is that we've really had to work well together because mm-hmm. we've had to, you know, the situation is just such that we have to partner. And so we have been able to work together with the city um, and emergency management team there to to really help get people into beds, into open shelter space. So so I think there's more and more collaboration help um, becoming, especially as we all kind of figure out what our niche is within within the homeless population. When COVID hit, did you find a lot more people were in dire straits because A, losing jobs, or B, you know, issues with food and, that, and all that sort of thing? Were you seeing more people coming for help or fewer? No, fewer, actually, oh. um, partly because of the ban on evictions. Um, oh. So that helped immensely. And then, of course, all of the stimulus money that has gone out um, has helped people bridge some gaps sure. um, and then there there have been any number of funding sources for people that are behind on rent and utilities um, so it has been we have seen uh, more individuals um, but people staying shorter amounts of time in our shelter this year and it it has been easier to get people into housing during COVID and part of that is the increased cooperation Um, but a lot of the government programs that house people the rules have come way way down um, during COVID to make sure that we could Mm -hmm. get people out of more vulnerable situations. So what happens when that goes away? I mean that's that's the thing a lot of people you hear talking is we sure we've got all this this great money coming in and it's helping people stay in their homes but eventually you got to pay your rent so what happens Uh, that's the million dollar question (laughs) Um, or trillion yeah or trillion or bajillion um certainly that's something that as providers we are all worried about and thinking about and planning for um we're just not really sure what it's going to look like how do you plan for something like that it's such an unknown Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for us, it's just making sure that we can open the first week in October, that we're ready to go, that we have beds ready to go, um, and just affirming up our partnerships so that we're able to help as many people as we can. How do people usually come to you? Is it a matter of they know about you or are they usually sent there from a government uh, social worker or something? Yeah, we do get a lot of referrals, um, but we get a lot of direct calls as well. So we get requests through our Facebook page. Um, There's a phone number that people can call. um, But we do get a lot of referrals from our partner agencies um, and from the police as well. Mm -hmm. Sure. So and that mentioned the police and a lot of times people who are homeless may have had uh, issues, run-ins, a record of some sort, can't get a job. And I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a problem in itself. Plus, I'm sure you have the addiction cycle mm-hmm. with a lot of folks. Yeah. How do they? How do you get help to them? Is there some p- program or some plan to help them get out of those situations? You know, I think the first step when they come into shelter is just making sure that we're taking care of those basics of sleep and food. Um, for a lot of our friends who are struggling with mental health or addiction or are coming out of jail, it's it's trying to find that spot where they can have a little recovery time mm-hmm. and a little settling time. So we make sure that that happens. And then we have, again, just lots of community partners. So if it's an addiction issue, we have some counselors that can come in and work with them and help them get to treatment. Um, if it's mental health, we work with a variety of different people in town to work on that. Um, and then we have a, a fairly good relationship with public safety and work together um, to try and mitigate lots of situations. <laughs> so, Wow. Colette, how long have you been involved with dealing with the homeless population? 
Um, I think probably about five years. And Erica? Um, I would say six years. Okay. So about the same time. Mm -hmm. And have you seen any change in who has become homeless in those years, for example? One change that we've seen this year um, is that some of our refugee and immigrant populations are showing up more in shelter. We didn't see any um, refugees for the first First three years. Three years. And then this year, we've had a few families and a few individuals, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, makes me curious about what's happening there. And, you know, I know that the, the refugee services only go for a certain amount of time after people get here. So I wonder if we're just getting to the point where people have been here long enough that um, some of those services are drying up. Or words are getting out, obviously, about yeah. what you're doing. Yeah, right. There's probably some of that, too. Mm-hmm. How long can a person stay at a homeless shelter? I mean, obviously, if you're homeless, it could be you don't know how long. Yeah, yeah I was just on those stats. I was just running. Our average is 21 days. Okay. But we have people who have been with us from the day we opened and will be with us until we close. And they just were sort of their home during the winter season. Is it because the, the, they have mental health issues? Is it because they have other issues that they're not able to live on their own? Lots of reasons. <laughs> Lots, yes. Many, many layered reasons, and each of them very individual to the individual person. So. Can you talk about some of, the, some of the reasons people become homeless? Because, you know, if you've lived in a house all your life, and you don't understand. I've got a niece who's mentally ill and, you know, has got some really severe problems, can't keep a job, that kind of thing. So, I mean, I get those kinds of things. So I'm just curious what other reasons a person might become homeless and end up. Yeah. I mean, it's here it's in Mankato because you think like a big cities, right? Right. 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 It's usually a cascading list of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's very often a mental health Breakdown issue. Breakdown or something. Um very often a substance abuse issue, um, almost always layered on top of some kind of family fracturing or trauma. Um, yeah, it's it's all kinds of things. Um, but those three pieces, the the broken down family, the mental health, mm-hmm. and the substance abuse are kind of the, the three factors that we see in almost every case. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's also, um, we've seen a couple times this season, people who've been hit with medical bills yeah. that yeah. Um, they just, they can't afford to stay in a home anymore. They're, you know, they have to leave because of high medical bills. And no insurance, um, probably a no lot of insurance. Times, right? And yep, yep. And so they will end up with us for a little while. How do you ladies do it every day, Colette and Erica? I mean, it's got to be discouraging because it, it doesn't seem like you're getting fewer people coming that who are homeless. You're probably getting more, I assume. How do you do that? What I mean, what keeps you going day to day when you just see no end? It's kind of like feeling like the COVID where it's never going to end. <laughs> and, you know, you get discouraged. So I'm just wondering, where where does that, I mean, how does that strength come to we you? We get this question a lot, actually. Yeah, well, I'm sure you do. <laughs> um, and I think it always surprises us a little bit because it's not a discouraging job. Uh, it's no. actually an amazing job. And, you know, I was just telling Eric on the way up here a conversation I had with a guest last night where, you know, he just said, the work that you all are doing here is different than any place I've been before. And I just feel respected here. Um, and so those moments where we are giving people an experience of dignity and love and home that they haven't had before. Um, that makes all the hard stuff 
really pretty easy to deal with, honestly. And and we have all these beautiful success stories. You know, we do see the same yeah. number of people every year, but they're all different. Well, that's good to know. Right. Yeah. So right. people do get housed and we do then have these relationships over the long term where we get to see people buy their own homes, mm-hmm. where we get to see them have pets again, um, and where their kids are doing great in school. And we see them around the community just being a regular part of Mankato. And that's that's what makes it worthwhile. See, that's mm-hmm. a, that was the follow-up question I wanted to ask is about, do you see those success stories? And do you have any examples of some? That, and you mentioned that. Is there any others that you could maybe cite that really buoy you up? Yeah, you know, we had a guest that was with us for quite a while at the beginning of this season, um, someone that we gotten to know during the summer. And as soon as we opened shelter, they were able to come into shelter and worked hard to help them find housing. Um, they don't have other family. And so they've sort of developed this little shelter family. And we're a part of that. And we keep in touch. We check in. Oh, gosh, probably weekly just okay. to see how things are going. Um, yeah. So we, you know, we we are blessed to meet some incredible people with some amazing stories. Um, and I think our faith obviously comes oh, in yes. in all of this as well, um, feeling like we're really doing work that we're called to and that we're very passionate about. Well, that's one thing I was going to ask you. You mentioned the guest who mentioned that, that they feel different and you are Community Connections. You are a faith based organization. Mm-hmm. How does that differ from other there's so there's some organizations do they treat them differently do you think from what you've heard You know I was people we get this a lot too and um I was say you know when you when you think of a homeless shelter in your mind it's I think there's that idea of beds lined up and bunk yeah, beds right. and you know just people on top of people on top of people and we really have tried to set it up more like a retreat center so it is calm it is peaceful it is well decorated it is welcoming and it's like homey. a home it is like mm-hmm. a home and we strive in every interaction that we have to make sure that people know that they we respect them and that they are a beloved child of God and that we um, we see that in them. And so no matter what has happened in their lives, um, that's what we look for. And I don't think that that happens in a lot of places. And, um, and you are a ministry by, by nature. You're both, right. both ministers. So what role does that play? Do they... Do they do Bible studies? Is there something that you in, you know incorporate into that that faith based uh, shelter that you have? Yeah. So we have been pretty intentional about not doing a lot of religious practice within the shelter mm-hmm. um, because we are a religious organization, but we don't want to make people feel pressured mm-hmm. um, into some kind of faith or make it seem like we are trading shelter for religious observance. Okay. Um, But we do a lot of pastoral care. So a lot of conversations about why is this happening to me? Is God mad at me? Did I do something wrong? Um, And that is where our new venture, Shelter Church, has grown out of. So what is that? I we just started. Oh, I'm excited it. to hear yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, Great. we just started it on Easter Sunday. Let's talk about it. Um, so it's a worshiping community um, geared for people who are struggling in life um, and who maybe have a bit of a rough relationship or no relationship <laughs> with faith. Mm-hmm. Um, just very basic. We serve a meal and then we have about a half hour worship service, um, and it's it's meant to be kind of an entry back into faith for people who have been burned by church or by life or by their own choices sometimes. Um, And so we are trying now to have that be sort of 
the spiritual community side of it um, and try to keep that a little bit separate from shelter. Is that a part of the shelter or is that something completely separate that anybody in the community can be a part of? Anybody in the community can come. Um, so when is it? What do you? Yep. So we meet at 4.30 on Sunday nights. Um, and we're currently in the parking lot of Bethlehem Lutheran Church. Um, so dinner served at 4.30. And we, depending on how cold it is, <laughs> we well, yeah. ease into worship. It's getting better, hopefully. Uh, yes. Ease into worship by about 5 o'clock. Um, okay. And it really is geared towards people who are on the fringes, who don't feel comfortable coming into a church building. Um, a lot of the people that we see are coming from the Holy Grounds Breakfast Ministry that Centenary does and from the shelter or have been past shelter guests and want to get back into that community. Um, So that's sort of who we gear it towards, but it certainly anyone is welcome to come. And who operates that? Is it the Bethlehem Lutheran Church, a bunch of churches or... So right now it's Connections Ministry. It is the Connections yep. Ministry. Yep. So okay. it's it's Pastor Erica and I that do the church, okay. and our board um, advises that, and they have helped out with setting up tables and taking down and all of that. Um, so it's really just in the infancy stage. Well, Easter is not that has not <laughs> right, been that yeah, long. We're ago. Exactly. two weeks under our belts. Right. So <laughs> we we don't know uh, how how connected it will end up being to the shelter or how separate. That's one of the things that we are exploring as we go. Well, I hope if listeners are out there and maybe know somebody that would benefit from that, they would be able to reach out to either of you to find out more information. How mm-hmm. can one get in contact with the Connections Ministry or the, the, the Community Connection Shelter? Yeah, so easiest way is probably through our Facebook page, uh, Mankato or Connection Shelter in Mankato. Um, and then people can call. Um, our office number is 507-995-5732. And that's answered during the day by the two of us. Um, okay. So yeah, if people are interested in learning more, they can also go to our website, which is connectionshelter.org, and you can contact us through that. What sort of needs do you have? Um, you know, I want to give you a chance to, because obviously you are a nonprofit, <laughs> and you can, I'm sure, use donations. First, I'll ask you, how do you survive? Is it on all donations? Is it a grant? Is it churches or what? Uh, it's a little bit of everything. All of that, <laughs> yeah. Um, we don't. We we are supported by churches. We are mostly supported by individual donors. Mm-hmm. Some of those connected to churches. Sure. Um, and then we do have some foundations that give us grants. Um, we also this year are supported by some funding from the city of Mankato, um, and that is COVID specific mm-hmm. funding. Sure. Um, but they are paying for a portion of our staffing that are specifically COVID related staffing. So is there more staff than just you and yes. you yes. two? Yep. We have the two of us. We have two managers okay. um, who work the evenings mm-hmm. and then we have overnight staff. So there's always two overnight staff on every night. So it's in the is the old Presbyterian church? Is that what? Mm-hmm. And, yep. First Presbyterian on second and um, Hickory. Well, Hickory and Broad, Broad. is where that And did they retrofit that or what, what, what happened there? Yeah. So the city of Mankato helped us to renovate. Um, so the we're on the second floor that used to be their Christian education floor. So it already had all of those individual classrooms that are great for sleeping mm-hmm. space. Right. Um, and then we just had to put in a kitchen in one of those classrooms and an extra bathroom. What is um, the lower part then? Is that then the lower part is still the church? Oh, it is. Yeah. Yep. Okay. okay. Yeah. I didn't know how that. Yep. So they still have all of their church stuff going on, and we are just on that upper floor. Um, and they moved their Sunday school 
to the lower floor. Is that where your offices are too then? Yes. yes. So you're located yep. there? Yes. All right. So let's talk about donations. Are there things you need donated to the shelter? You know, I mean, people think uh, obviously food. Is there uh, blankets? I, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> asking just yeah. way out there question, I guess. Yeah. So at the moment, we are really starting to wrap up the season. Um, we've only got about five weeks left of the season. So as far as physical items, we're really not taking much right now because we kind of want to use up what we've got sure. so we can start fresh in the fall. Um, but throughout the summer, we will be putting on our Facebook page some donation drives, um, backpacks, um, takeaway or takeout containers for leftovers to send with people during the day. Um, oh, really? You need those? Those Because my husband collects those, and I don't know why, but we have like, <laughs> scads of them in the We'll cupboard. bring them on over. We'll I, take yeah, them. I'll tell them. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, and then, you know, like underwear and socks, um, things that we're able to give to our guests. And so we'll, we will announce some drives for that over the course of the summer once we figure out what we've got left. Well, what happens in the summer then? Obviously, you don't have the, the shelter per se where people are staying. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're outside or where they go, but what happens for the... the yeah, we do. We do our best to get people housed before um, shelter closes, and sometimes about this time of year, that finally lights a fire under some people to to get moving on some of that paperwork they've been avoiding um, to get housed. Um, and we will continue to work with people who aren't housed at the end of the season. We stay on as staff um, through the summer, so we can help them. We, they just will have to find a different place to stay. So we do have some that always live outside during the summer and that is just part of the choices that they've made Um, but a lot of our friends will go and stay with friends or family members Um, sometimes some of them will go to a different state um, or to a different city where they're warmer (laughs) yeah (laughs) or where there's shelter right open year-round we do have some of that will the shelter church that you just announced just started. Will that continue through the summer? Yes. Yes. So every will. Sunday at four thirty in the Bethlehem Lutheran Church parking lot, you'll have that option so that they can get food and yep. Yep. A, a service. Yep. yep. And check in with us. So yeah, I was just going to circle back to the donations. We always need financial donations because okay. that is one hundred percent how we run. Um, and it's everything from a ten dollar donation to a ten thousand dollar donation. They all matter um, because it it takes. It takes money to make it happen. So, <laughs> all right. And otherwise, you mentioned watching your your Facebook when yes. you have those individual, and also let us know if, if if we can help out somehow to get the word out. That would be wonderful. Excellent. We'd be glad to do that. Um, anything else before I let you go? We're almost out of time here, but I want to thank you both. We've been talking with Colette Brody Grund as well as Erica Kozier with the Community Connections Shelter, and they do the ministry with those organizations as well as with the. Bethlehem Lutheran Church. So Mm -hmm. just a lot of wonderful things you ladies are doing. Anything we missed that you think is important for folks to know? Um, I think one thing that we really work hard at is to connect people across the lines of homelessness. Um, So we have volunteers are a huge part. Do you need volunteers? That's what I should have asked. Yes. So we have um, a sign-up genius Mm -hmm. that is open, and there are still spots open for the rest of the season. There are. Um, So people can come and bring a meal or come and serve dinner, Mm -hmm. come and be a greeter at the door. Um, If they want to help with laundry, we always need (laughs) laundry help. help. Um, And there's a sign-up connected through our website and through our Facebook page for that. And that's a great way for people to get some exposure to homelessness and realize that it's maybe not what they thought it was Mm -hmm. and that these are just regular people, part of our community, 
um, and they don't maybe look like you assumed they would. And communityconnections.org? Org? Connection Shelter. Connection Shelter. Org. Okay, I want to make sure you get it right. Mm-hmm. So Connection Shelter, if you want to volunteer, if you want to donate, want to know more information, Connection Shelter. Org. I want to thank you both so much for coming on. It was just so enlightening to learn all the stuff you do. And thank you for all that you do, by the way. Thank Thanks you for having us. us. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks. All right. Well, always great to talk with folks in the community doing some great work, including these two ladies. And uh, we continue to have great stories. And if you can help out in any way, we encourage you to do so. It is 11 o'clock and you're listening to a Minnesota Morning on the Maverick at KMSU Radio 89.7 FM in Mankato and KMSK 91.3 FM in Austin online at KMSU.org. Broadcast